to uh, challenge you. Get in the Word every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Look at somebody tell them every day. You need the Word of God. You've got to have God's Word. You've got to build your life on the Word of God. Amen? Not on some other stuff. Not on what you think. No, but what God says. And we've got to get in that Word. And, and you might be trying to read the Bible through this year and got a reading plan. And uh, that's cool. But what I'm talking about is just taking a verse, maybe a couple of verses, and just, uh, you know, just meditate and, 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 and you know, read it and repeat it and read it and repeat it and meditate and meditate and meditate. Because the Bible says, Joshua 1.8, this book, shall not de- uh, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You might say, well, I don't know how to meditate. You do. You call it worry. Um, the Bible talks about meditating, and it's just riveting your thoughts on, on, on this thing and letting the Holy Spirit uh, talk to you about what God's Word says and get it into your life. If you're not in the Word every day, I'm telling you that you're going to end up wandering off the trail. You, you're you're going to make a wrong step. There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end is all messed up. Proverbs fourteen twelve. It seems right to you. It, well, if you don't have the Word of God in you pretty soon, uh, you know, you're just going off of what seems right to you. But wait a minute. We fasted and prayed. Remember at the beginning of the year, we, we took Ezra, the book of Ezra, and, and it said and we sought God and fasted for a right way for us, a right way for our, our kids, a right way for our substance. So there's a right way. There's a right way for you to live. And, but it's not the way that seems right. It is the way that is right. And the only way to hit that is knowing the Word of God, living the Word of God, experiencing the Word of God. Isaiah said you'll hear a word behind me saying, this is the way. Here we go. Okay? So get in the book every day. Amen? Hold your Bible up real high. Lift it up over your head. Stretch out a little bit. Come on, lift it up. It's not that heavy. Uh, uh, Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Shout it, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God one more big praise this morning. He's worthy. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Good to be with you today. We're excited about what God's doing. Looking forward to great things and been having a great year. How many of you have had a great year so far? It is awesome, and it's getting better. It's getting better. God's, God's pulling you, you know, to a place that he's prepared for you. Amen? So awesome what God's doing. We started the year off talking about the three chairs, and we're just continuing on that. And, and you know, wanting to make a commitment to be a first chair believer. Right? The first chair is the chair of commitment. You know, it's a place where our lives are really committed to God. Like I said earlier, where we are seeking God's way for us. There's a right way for us. We want God's way. And we, we don't want to be compromised. We, we, we don't want to be, uh, uh, you know, plagued with duplicity. We, we just want to, you know, have a, uh, just a single focus that God, God's on the throne of our life. Amen? That He's on the throne of our life. And, and every, everything else is just kind of has to take a second seat, including our own desires and our, our, our own, uh, you know, issues that, that we're not, we're not, we're not arguing with God. We're just serving God. Amen. And, and you know, uh, we, we talked about uh, fasting. And by the way, that fasting thing, that's a, you, you, I just want to encourage you, be, live a fasted lifestyle. You know, uh, we, we've got men that meet here Thursday morning, 6 o'clock for prayer. And uh, gentlemen, you're welcome to come. You know, 6 o'clock, uh, a great group of guys pray. But at the beginning of each month, we put a calendar out in the back. And everybody puts their name on dates. And they, and they take dates. And those are the days that they're fasting and praying for you, for the house. 
and, and you know, living a fasted lifestyle. Don't, don't just fast once a year, but, you know, uh, you know, just fast and pray and seek God. And, and I know what some of you are thinking. Fast? I know you're thinking that because that's what I think every time I fast. You know, but, uh, well, I, I, I can't go without food. You will, you will live and not die. Okay? It, it, matter of fact, it might even be healthy for you. Look at your neighbor and say, mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, you know, but fast, you know, and, and, and Jesus, he said, he said, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, and he said when you give, and when you fast. So I'll be part, that ought to be part of the lifestyle of a first chair follower of Christ, that, that they fast. And, and, and then, then we talked about fitness, you know, you, you can't, you don't just do fitness for one month, you got you to gotta, you gotta exercise all the time. You've got you to stay in shape and live long enough, live long enough to, to make it to the production of God's promise in your life. You've got to be strong and healthy. And, and, and you know, you're not going to be happy unless you're healthy. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not talking about getting skinny. I'm talking about getting healthy. Right? You know, uh, and, and then we talked about first-chair family and being first-chair husbands and first-chair wives and first-chair, you know, parents. God's got a plan. There's a right way. And, and today we're going we're gonna to go a, a, another step in, into this thing, and we're going to start for a few weeks with the exception of next week being Easter. But today we're going to launch uh, and just talk about first-chair finances. How, how many of you know that God has, God has a plan? It's on the wall on your way out if, you, if you've never known God's plan for you, that it is to prosper you. Not to harm you, a plan to give you hope and future. You know, uh, uh, the, the, there's, a, there's a biblical plan, a bottom line. You know, a bottom line for, for husbands, love his wife. Bottom line for a wife, help, help, help her husband. Bottom line for parents, trust God. Get some courage, you know, uh, do it God's way. There's a bottom line for your finances. But uh, I want you to know that uh, if you're wondering, well, is this a prosperity church? We, yes. Well, I don't know about them prosperity churches. What do you want to go to, a poverty church? No, we're breaking that off of our life. Uh, let me define prosperity for you. Prosperity is the ability to respond in a godlike fashion regardless of the situation. That you would be enabled by God to respond in a godlike fashion no matter what's going on. You know, the enemy, the, the, the enemy would love to, to, to cause you to live separated from God's plan for your life. Because he, he, he wants you broken and he, he wants you uh, unaffected. And, and he, he wants you to be in, in great need. I know a lot of times we get this mindset, well, you know, I don't want to be believing God for too much. Because if I start believing, you know, then move over there into that greedy thing. I, you know, we're just going to believe God for enough. Well, if all you have is enough, then you don't have enough to give to people who don't have enough. So you, you even get to the land of enough, and you still can't be effective in helping others. So you've got to get beyond that. You know? And God, God wants you to be godlike. He's more than enough. Thank God, because if you weren't more than enough, you couldn't ask him for nothing. Because all he's got enough for him. So, you, you know, increase your, your mindset. God wants you to prosper. Amen? And, and it ain't about just going after your thing. It's about pursuing his plan. And, and if, you, if you can live first chair life, if you can remember the, remember the commitment, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're just going to serve God and him alone. I said we're going to serve God and him alone. Well, God, God if you, you don't have to hunt down prosperity. You have to hunt down God's plan. Because if you're walking in God's plan and his plan is to prosper you, then you're going to prosper when you're in his plan. So I'm just going to tell you right up front, if you're not prospering, 
somewhere you're outside the plan of God. Sorry. I don't like that. I wouldn't like it either. You know, I've lived prospering and I've lived not prospering. Prospering's way better. So decide today, I'm going to live God's plan for my life. Amen? You know, well, how, how does this fit? Well, check it out. A first chair person. Let's talk about who's on the throne in the life of a first chair individual. And there ain't no question. It's God. God is on the throne. God, it's not my career. It's not family. It's not a position. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said, Christianity can never be moderately important. Some of us have this weird religious mindset that is something that we do on the weekend after we screwed up our life. You know, let's, let's, see, if we, let's see if we can't go in and get some, get some forgiveness. How about you go out with some victory? Just demonstrate Satan's defeat all stinking week long. Amen. You know, one of the funnest things to do, it's my, it's my passion, it's if I have a mission statement for my life, this is it. Humiliate hell. I just want to humiliate hell. And just, just prove to the world that God life is real. Amen. But you can't, you, you know what? It can't be moderately important. I thank God I grew up in a first chair home. Mom, wave at everybody. There's my mama over there. And my mom and dad were awesome people of God. And I grew up in a first chair home. But you get to a point that, uh, you know, that's not enough. You can't just grow up in a first chair house. You've got to actually make some decisions of your own. Nobody gets to ride the coattails of somebody else. No, you, you have to make some choices and some decisions, some commitments on your own. Your mama and daddy aren't going to tithe for you. Vincent and Evoria aren't going to pray for you. The worship team cannot worship for you. And Pastor Tom refuses to fast for you. So, you, you know, you, you got to do mine. You do yours, okay? But you, you got you to you, you make some choice. If I'm going to be first chair, and maybe that's why it's so easy to slip into the second chair, because first chair demands commitment. If you ain't real, you ain't first chair. And if you're going to be first chair, it ain't because you woke up one day, you know, after you passed out watching TV and woke up in the first chair. No, it's going, you're going to get there intentionally. You're going to take those steps. See, second chair, it, who's on the throne there? God and me. It just depends on the circumstance. It depends on the situation. It depends on who I'm with. Now, now you know, scanning this crowd, I, I can tell that we got, we, you know, this is first chair folk up in here now. Let, let, me, let me talk to you about the first service and Saturday night crowd. They're even worse. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you. Are you different around different people? Just let that hang out there for a minute. You know, uh, well, it depends on where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm going through. And I don't act that way except at ball games or work or in heavy traffic. <laughs> you, you know, here's the deal. Uh, who's on the throne? The problem with, with, the, the problem with a second chair guy, you know, is, is, and, and we lie to ourselves. We, we, we don't get it, you know, but we'll, we'll make statements like, well, you know, uh, I'm too tired to, you know, it's, I can't go to church today, even though you're scheduled to serve. Hello? 
uh, I, I'm, I'm too busy to, to go to that. Uh, you know, I got more important things in my life. Uh, I'm too irritated to read my Bible. Besides, I'm watching the History Channel. Hmm? Uh, and let me just give you this too, that any time, do not think that I'm standing here telling you that every day, 100% of the time, I'm the first chair, first chair. First. No, that's what I want to be. But I've got to tell you what happens is that when I find myself slipping and I've slipped into the second chair, I find myself justifying it by comparing myself not to first chair, but to third chair people. Well, that wasn't real godly. Well, at least I'm not selling drugs. Are you sure that's the right attitude? I don't, I'm not thinking you should have that attitude. You know, I can just hear the Holy Spirit just dealing with me. I'm, I'm not sure that's the right attitude. Yeah, but, you know, God, but look at those people. I'm doing way better than that. Anytime you're comparing yourself to people who are worse than you, it's because you don't want to admit how bad you are. Okay, I'll move to the third chair people because, wow. Okay, um, third chair people, there's no struggle with who's on the throne. Ain't no question. Me. It's all about me. And I know that you would assume third chair people probably don't even go to church. Yeah, they do, because that's where they get what they want. That's what, you know, they're, they're building clientele. They're, they're building a social network. They, that's where their friends are. And as long as it benefits me, I'm in. As long as you don't ask me to do laundry. Oh, he's preaching good now. As long, as long as you just let me be part of the, of the winning team, but I never have to take the field. I know I should be really careful, but hey, we have to make room for the next service that we have in this room because there's hardly any chairs left. So I can offend some of you today. I can afford to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, if you're not here, uh, not Easter, we're going to be there. And the weekend, if you're not here the weekend after, we know what chair you sit in. Okay, okay. Look at your neighbor and say, I, I love that guy. Tell him. Did you got anything in that bag or is it empty? You ate it? Oh, is there food in there? If I have them pray, share. <laughs> Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. I love, the, I love the Amplified. Seek, aim at, strive for, first of all, his way of doing and being right. It ain't going to just happen. You've got to seek it. Huh? You got to go after it. You you got to go after God's way. You know, if, if you want something, you got to go get it. You know, I, I'm going to tell you that you need to have a prayer life, but until you obey what you hear God say in that prayer time, it ain't no good anyways. And, and you you know, there's a lot of stuff you ain't got to pray about. You just got to obey about it. You know, loving your neighbor. I don't have to pray. Should I love him? Should I love him? Are you sure, God? Yeah, I, God, give me faith. I don't need faith. I need obedience. And, and, but, you know, to get what God has for you, you've got to see it. God's way. You've got you to gotta look for it. You know, if you want something, if you, if you, if you want, you know, a, a, a cheeseburger, you can't sit in here and, and pray. You've you got to do what my brother did. You've got to walk across the street because that's where they're at. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want, you've got to go get it. 
Hello? If you, if you want a, you know, a decaf vanilla latte sugar free, you, you, you gotta walk over to Espresso World and tell them. You gotta go after. You know what? There are, there are, there are moments in life that that's, that's your aim. That's what you're going after. And ain't nothing gonna stop you. You're gonna get what you want. What you desire. Well, if you really desire God's way of doing and being right, you're gonna seek it. You're going to go after that thing, man. That's, that's what first chair is about, is seeking it. Look at verse uh, 24 in this chapter. It said, nobody can serve two masters. For you're either going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And mammon, it says, is deceitful riches, money, possessions. I like this. Or whatever is trusted in. Mammon's a spirit. It's not just money, but anything you put trust in, here's the deal, is that you, you, you can't let, you, I've taken myself off the throne, and now on the throne of my life is just God and my checkbook. That's not first year. We made a statement, I will serve the Lord alone. And, and, and you got to understand something that the enemy, the enemy uses finances to, to mess with our world. Because you know what the word worship means? It means to rivet your eyes or attention on someone or something. If all you think about, if you're, when you're under financial pressure, here's the deal, is that all you're thinking about is money, you're worshiping money. Your mind's riveted on, 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 on money. And i got to tell you something. You, you know, uh, a lot of people that struggle breaking that poverty mindset, they, 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 you know, they look at rich people like there's something wrong with the rich. But the rich don't think about money near as much as the poor do. If I were the devil, and I'm not, but if I were the devil, I would probably do whatever I could to just get you off in your finances so that when you got to the place that God had led you to and then he started speaking about what he wanted you to do, you would say, I can't afford that. Because even though you want to be obedient, you can't. Because you sabotage it before you got there. Doesn't the Bible say that I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any man the things which God hath prepared for those who love him? The word prepared means made ready in advance. So God has put stuff ahead of you, waiting for you. And it's on the path that he's leading you down. And if the enemy can get you off that path, then your decisions lead you away from or towards a certain destiny if the, in destination, if the enemy can get you off that path, if he can get you to, to, to waste what God's given you before you get to where you need it, then when you get to where you're headed, you don't have what you need to do what God said. So in other words, you're the right guy at the right place at the right time. You just don't have the right stuff. And you're asking God to bring the financial breakthrough, miracle stuff, and, and he's like, wait a minute, I, I paid for that already. Hello? I already set you up to succeed here. See, God would never ask you to do something that he hadn't prepared you to succeed at. So you get to where you're going. God asks you to do what he's prepared you for, but you took what he prepared you with, and you used it for not what you was prepared for. Use it for what you wanted. 
I can preach this with incredible passion because I've done it so many times in my own life. And blessing comes, increase comes. Oh, we spent that. We didn't hear from God. Why? Well, because God wasn't actually on the throne of our life. Money was. So I, I need to hear God. I need to obey God. I need to trust God. But I need to stop being God. Well, when have I ever tried to be God? When you made decisions that you didn't run by God. Come on now, I'm teaching you well today. Don't get mad at me. Hang with me. I'm, I'm going to lead you to a place of great breakthrough. You're going to be glad you're here. But you've got to seek this thing. You've got, you got to understand something. You, 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 can't, you can't serve God and money. You can't sit in first chair and say, okay, God, you're going to be the ruler of my life with every realm of my life except for money. Because what will happen is, is no matter how much of it you accumulate, it, it doesn't make any difference how much money you accumulate. There is always an issue that's slightly more expensive than what you've got. So you're going to have to hear God, obey God, and trust God that he's going to do what he said, prosper you, give you increase, that he's going to cover you. Look at this verse, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, but the borrower is servant to the lender. First, first thing I want you to see here is that uh, if you read the book and you study it at all, you're going to find out that God wants you to rule and reign. He's given you dominion, right? So you're to rule and reign on this earth. Well, then I guess you're going to have to be the rich because the rich rule. But the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, here's the problem with this. Uh, and there's, no matter where you're at, by the way, let me just let me preface this. No matter where you are financially, don't you get crushed today. Don't you go out in, in condemnation and feel beat up because, uh, oh, we've made mistakes and we've handled it wrong and, you know, and there's no hope. No, no, no. You've got to see the right side of this thing. That uh, what this is really saying, I'm going to tell you something. If you can get, if you can get a revelation of what this is really saying, and I'm going to show you a, a few more scriptures. But if you can get the revelation of this, you're going to have your own personal little white hanky moment. Because God's plan, I'm going to show you today, that God's plan for your life, if you walk in God's plan, His plan is to get you out of debt. Out of debt. Look at your neighbor and say, out of debt, baby, give him five. God's plan. Listen, the borrower is servant to the lender. Wait a minute. We said that, that we're going to serve God alone. I can't be serving God and the lender. Hello, somebody? Look at what Jesus said. Well, you can't. Later in your Bible, Matthew 10, 4. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. So if I do this thing God's way, and God will take me wherever I am, but he ain't going to leave me there. He's going to lead me by his spirit to where he wants me to be. And if God wants me in a spot where I'm not serving a lender, but where I'm only serving God, then if I'm in debt, God's going to lead me out of debt. I'm telling you, a first chair believer, not only is, is he, has he got a fasted lifestyle, let me tell you some of the stuff that you're going to have to fast. All that spending that you do to medicate your pain and to bring pleasure to yourself. No, you go to the Holy Spirit 
to comfort you and you go to the Word of God to heal you and all of a sudden you're no longer missing the mark in your financial realm. How about this? Proverbs 6, starting at verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Don't you love the Bible? <laughs> Go to the ant, you sluggard. You're already feeling bad about your financial decisions. Come here, you sluggard. Okay. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander. It has no overseer. It has no ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food for harvest. Look at Proverbs 21:20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. You know, there's a bottom line for husbands, love. Bottom line for uh, wives, help. Bottom line for parents, courage. Bottom line uh, for finances, save. You need to be able to save. Look at the end. It stores. Look at this verse. In the house are what? By the way, don't you want to be like Jesus? Jesus saves. Thought I'd share that. Jesus saves. Get it? Every now and then I have a good one. I like that one. When, you, when you're studying the Bible, you want to use the Bible to define the Bible. If you use something else to define the Bible, then you're using the wrong definition, and it's really easy to not understand what the Bible was saying, and then you get it all out of context. So let's use the Bible here for just a minute. Because it talks about the house of the wise. How many of you want to be wise? How many of you want to be a fool? I'm the only one with my hand up. I don't want to be a fool. None of us want to be a fool. Well, how does the Bible define the wise and the fools? Jesus said, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. And when the storm comes, and the winds blow, and the rains fall, and the waves beat up against that house, that house stands. Because it's built upon the rock, which is the Word of God. He said, but the foolish man has built his house upon the sand. And the same storm comes. The same winds blow and the same rain falls. And, and, but great is the fall of that man. Because his house isn't built on the word of God. If you're going to be wise, you're going to use God's word. And you're going to line with it. And you're going to save and fill your house with food and oil. But the foolish man, he doesn't save. He devours all he has. Well, if we're going to be first chair, we're going to have to learn to save money. You're going to have to learn to save it. And, well, what, what are we going to save for? I'm going to give you three things today that you're going to save for real quick. Here we go. Number one, emergencies. Number two, purchases. Number three, your future. You're going to save for emergencies. Why? Because they're going to occur. Well, I live by faith. Well, you are an idiot if you don't save for your emergency. Because the Bible tells us to save for emergencies. To get ready. Can I just tell you something? Listen, we want to be known as a radically generous house. That's why on a Wednesday night we raised over $20,000 to send to Nepal. That, that's why, uh, you know, at Christmas time, 650 meals and gifts in the entire Christmas package we provide as a body for people. That's why all during the week we're, we're helping people. We want to help people. We're not looking to give a handout. We want to give a hand up. Okay? But we're always, we live to give. We're going to be very generous. 
But let, let me just tell you something. The, the, the families that come, both in the house and outside of the house, the, and we can't meet every need, and, and, you know, but, but man, you know, I've got to tell you something. Our heart is always to do what we can to, to, for the benefit of those that, that God leads to us. But families in the church and outside that come, that are under great stress, great financial dilemma, great issues, most of the time, most of the time, their issue can be resolved for under $1,000. They wouldn't be in that. They wouldn't be in that wreck if they had $1,000 saved. So we'll just use Dave Ramsey's. You know, he's the financial guru today. We'll just use his, his thing here. You know, when you're, when you're thinking about saving for emergencies, you, you need to have a $1,000 emergency fund. You just need to have it. You need to save for purchases instead of charging it. Well, I'm going to make the minimum payment. My dad one time, uh, my dad was awesome. <laughs> I wish he was still here. But my dad one time went to a Montgomery Wards. And, uh, and, and my mom sold real estate. She sold ranches. She did, she did great. My dad uh, was struggling with uh, some teaching that he had when he first got saved. And, and, uh, and he felt like if you're, really, if you're really holy, then you're going to be really poor. So he tried to do everything he could to get rid of the money that my mom made. And, and he couldn't do it. And, uh, uh, and she, she just, you know, he had trucks and they had money. I mean, he, could, he could have paid cash for it, but he just wanted, he wanted his own thing. And he wasn't real sharp on the money stuff. And he wanted his own thing. So we went to Montgomery Wards and, and uh, we, had a, we had a pretty nice place, five acres. And somebody had to mow the lawn. And, and uh, he decided, you know, he's going to make it easier. He's going to get a riding lawnmower. So he, he charged the riding lawnmower. And he brought the, he could have just paid for it, but he didn't because he, he wanted to get mail. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and so you know, and something coming with his name on it, and and, uh, and just just his, and and it's going to be just his mower, and and, and I, I can remember that after about six years of making minimum payments, he, he, he how come this thing ain't paid for yet? And he went he went back in and sat down and, and had somebody help him with it because he couldn't figure it out, and and, uh, and he owed about fourteen dollars more after six years than 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 what it cost when it was new. And he had a, a, a an epiphany. And decided he was never going to charge anything there again. Just the other place. If you're just making minimum payments, you're not paying for the thing. You know, here's the deal. Is you need to save up and pay for the stuff you want. And i got to tell you how bad that hurts. Because there's a bunch of stuff I want that I can't afford. But we should be saving to make our purchases instead of what debt does, what credit does. Credit reaches into your future and pulls it into your present. So that when you get into your future, all you have is a past. Look at the sign. God wants to give you a future. Well, the enemy's trying to rip your future off. So how would he do that? By getting you to live in debt. So you've got to save for that future. Uh, well, how do, how do I save? It's very simple. You prioritize your dollars. Let me give you five, real quick, five keys to prioritizing your dollars. I know what you thought. You're going to come to church today, and I was going to tell you how beautiful you are, and now I'm messing with your money. Five keys to prioritize money. Money's like liquid. It's a liquid asset. Liquid. It's like water. It's going to flow. It's going to go somewhere. If you don't direct it, it'll just flow out. It'll just be gone. So you've you got to direct your money. You've got, you got to take control of it. And, and so what are you going to do if you're going to live God life? Well, the first thing you're going to do, you're going to prioritize your, your money. If you're going to live God life, is you're going to tithe 10% to God. You're going to do what the book says. 
You're going to be a tither. Okay? Because you want God's involvement in your finances. Hello? I said you want God's involvement. You want the anointing of God on your money. Somebody say amen. Can I tell you one of the coolest functions? There's a bunch of functions of the Holy Spirit, of the, of, of the anointing. Can I tell you one of the coolest functions of the anointing? Is that the anointing has the power to collapse time. We, I, I've talked about this before, but some of you might not have heard it. You know, how many of you guys in this room today, if you've ever broken a collarbone, would you just hold your hand up? Just look around the room at people who have broken their collarbone. You can ask any one of them, does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. What do they do for you when you break your collarbone? Nothing. They give you this stupid cloth ring. They twist it. They call it a figure eight brace, and they slip it you know, over your shoulders so that you won't reach forward, which you will only reach forward one time because the pain is so bad that you won't reach forward again for a year if you do it before the collarbones heal. And what happens is the collarbone, it grows back together. You can come feel mine. I've broken them both several times. And, and it's got these little bumps where the bone grows back together. And, and eventually the pain goes away. But if today in the parking lot, if you happen to break your collarbone, you got to messing around with Tony or somebody wrestling in the hallway and hit a door jam, broke your collarbone, and, and, and they brought you in here and everybody gathered around. And they said, okay, the Bible says that if we pray the prayer of faith and anoint them with oil, that they will be. And so they anoint you, they pray for you, and instantly the pain's gone and the bone's back together. What was the miracle? Well, the bone's back together. No, the bone's going to grow back together anyways. Well, the pain's gone. That's not a miracle. The pain's going to leave anyway. Well, what's the miracle? The collapse of time. Do you realize that if you do this thing God's way, that God can put his anointing on your finances and he can collapse the time? You know, several years ago, 15 years ago, uh, I got together with Todd. I got permission earlier, but I'd tell you even if he said no. But I, he did say yes. I got together with Todd, and, and their, fi, their finances, you know, they had like 17 children. They were driving 400 miles a day, they, you know, and, and, and they were making $3.25 an hour. It was crazy. And, uh, uh, the, but financially, they, financially they, they were so far upside down, and there was no human way to make it work. None. And so we just decided, you know, what we're going to have to do is we're just going to have to pray and we're going to have to hear God and we're going to have to believe Him. But, but you still got to do it God's way. And, and, and this is what we got from the Word of God. So this is how we're going to go. And, and I got to tell you, it's something that should have taken 12 or 14 years to accomplish. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't fun. But the reality is, is that just in a relatively short period of time, nine months or a year, uh, and breakthrough, boom, and, and it just started. It just started crazy because God started collapsing time. Matter of fact, if you've been, you're in the room today, and you've been upside down financially, it was just crazy. It was more than you could handle. But God somehow came through for you. Hold your hand up. Look around the room. If God will do it for them, God can do it for you. And if He did it for you once, He can do it for you again. So you just gotta you gotta you gotta do it God's way. But I'm telling you, number one, you just gotta start tithing. Oh, you just want our money. Go to another church. Hear me. Pack up and leave this house. Go to a different church, but tithe. There are some great churches in town. I'm not, I, don't, I don't work on commission.
It's just all after our money. We hardly ever talk about money. I'm talking about how to get you out of debt. The second thing you got to do, number two, is you got to minimize your living expenses. Let's put it this way. Not my phrase, but I think it's a great phrase. You need to act your wage. Okay? Just act your wage. Quit, quit, quit trying to impress people that you don't like with stuff that you don't need. You know, here, here's the deal is that we're living way up here, but really where we're at is, you know, somewhere else. Knock it off. If that's where you want to be someday, then get there someday. But don't be a faker. Don't be a pretender. And, you know, I have great friends. My, you know, your relationships are, are, are with people who are like you, which, by the way, I think is very interesting. But I think you can take your five closest friends, add up all of their income and divide it by five, and that's probably where you're at. So if you want to increase, you might want to include a friend who does a little bit better than you do. Okay? I, I have surrounded myself with great men of God in the ministry that pastor churches much bigger than ours. Why? Because someday we're going to be like them. And they do things I can't do. And for a long time, and I've got to tell you something, I've had to learn this because for a long time, the things that they did, I, I was going to be like them, so I just started doing them. Couldn't afford them, but I was doing them anyways. And we're still paying for them. But there's a light because God says, you know what I would like to do? I'd like to lead you out of debt. Let's, let's do this thing, okay? Minimize your living expenses because, number three, you're going to set up that emergency fund. You're going to get $1,000 set aside. You're going to do it. You're not going to buy 14 more pairs of shoes until that $1,000 emergency fund is set up. Because, number four, you're going to start paying off debt. You're going to start paying off your debts. Start paying off your debts. Why? Because, number five, you want to be positioned to invest your money. See, there's two ways to make money. You can work to make money or you can get your money to work for you. You can work for money or you can get your money to work for money. And what God wants you to do is he, he, he wants your money to be working for you. Hello, somebody. I said he wants your money to look, look at Matthew 25, 16. I don't believe that's in the Bible. Oh, Jesus said the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And gave five more. Here's the end picture. Here, here's the deal. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is all messed up. What happens? Well, we focus on the way. Well, it seems to me, and this is the way I think. Well, don't, don't hyper-focus on the way. Focus on the end. You don't want the end messed up. Here's the end picture is that God wants to lead you out of debt. He, he wants to get you in a, in a place where all your expenses are met. He, he, he wants you to be set up so you don't even lay awake at night worrying about emergencies because you're, you're prepared. He, he, he wants you at a place where your money's actually working for you. That's the end that you want to look at. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to get in agreement with you. I, I, I'm going to take the steps that take me to the end, and I'm going to let you direct my ways. Now, I'm not a financial planner. I don't want to tell you where to invest, how to invest, how to make your money work for it. That is not my role. I ain't going to go there. I'll just tell you this much that, uh, you know, you never invest in something you don't understand. You never put all your eggs in one basket and you never try to get rich quick. You just take it little by little. The Bible says that he who, who, he who gathers money little by little will be rich. 
So, you know, just calm down and breathe and let God direct your steps. But here's the cool news. Is that if you're struggling with debt, God said, hey, if you trust me, I'll lead you out. I'll, I'll lead you out of there. I'll get you to the spot where you don't have to serve lenders. Because you said you wanted to serve me. And if you want to serve me, God said, you know what? Probably on your own you can't get there, but because you want to serve me, I'd kind of like that. So I'll help you get there. Huh? I'll help you get there. How about we collapse some time? Hey, if you're here this 